0: This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball. I'm Grant Paulson, as always, joined by Toby Altizer, who's still continuing his baseball jaunt in the Midwest. tobe you haven't missed much back here in terms of nationals baseball. I know you've been watching all the games, but now Oh, and six against the Marlins after being swept again, I took the kids on Sunday out to the ballpark for father's day, which meant I actually got to watch way less of the game than if I was at home because we were getting ice cream and chasing around screech and trying to find the presidents and getting, uh, you know, the little mini helmets for uh, my son in the uh, team store. But, Uh, what a weekend for the nationals at home trying to get a win against the Marlins. They just couldn't pull it off. Miami's got their number.
1: Yeah. Apparently they just can't beat the Marlins. I mean, they've played fairly well at times, but whether it's, they can't put runs on the board or they do put runs on the board and the bullpen can't hold it. I mean, it's, it's disappointing to watch them lose to a team like the Marlins who look, it's not like the Marlins are great, but they're also not bad, but you'd like to at least see one win against this team. It's, It's still the Marlins, you know, it's one thing if it's the Braves or even if the Mets were doing something or the Phillies. But it seems like we always kind of look at the Marlins as an afterthought in this division. Yet we can win games against the other teams, but apparently they cannot beat the Miami Marlins, which is frustrating. But it is what it is. I mean, maybe what happened early in the season just wasn't sustainable for the Nationals where they were playing. I would say they're still playing competitive baseball, but they were actually winning some of the ball games. They're still playing competitive, unlike some of the games last year. But at the same point, they're not winning any any of these things. So how competitive are you if you're never winning? Yeah, I mean, they're a way better
0: team than they were last year, I think, just in general. And some of the things that they needed to happen this season, Toby, are happening. You know, we talked at the beginning of the year about kind of keeping our eyes on the prize here. Like, let's not get lost among a tree or two in the forest. Right. This is about young pitching and Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray. And those two guys have thrown the ball pretty well. Uh, This is about getting more out of C.J. Abrams and K.Bert Ruiz. And while I don't know that their progress has been linear and certainly in Abrams case, you know, there have been some frustrations in the field and the the offense still hasn't come the way you want. Both are hitting for more power. There's been some encouraging signs. There's been some really good things even on the veteran side. You know, they might be able to flip a couple of the guys this year that they've brought in here or that they have on the roster for something at the deadline in a way that last year it didn't work out the way they wanted to with Nelson Cruz and a couple of the other guys that they ended up holding on to. Uh, I don't know if they're going to trade Lane Thomas or not who homered again yesterday. He's got 11 home runs. He's got a higher OPS in right field right now than uh, Bryce Harper does coming back from injury in Philadelphia. As an example, he's having a really good year and, And I've been immensely impressed by him. I'm I'm starting to think the guy's just a good baseball player. He's outstanding defensively. He hits for some power. He runs the base paths pretty well. Uh, There's a lot to like about Lane Thomas. But, you know, I think he's the kind of guy now you got to move and and try to get a prospect for. But I know Nats fans are are inevitably going to maybe want to see him hang. But whether it's him or Jamer Candelario or even Trevor Williams possibly, uh, they're going to be able, you know, I'm not saying to get elite prospects, but to maybe flip those guys for something. And so, uh, in general, even though things are ugly right now, like the month of June has been gross, they are three and eleven this month. They've been outscored by twenty-six runs. They've kind of crashed back down to earth. This is a lot more like last year, you know. After about seven or so weeks of playing five hundred ball with an even margin, I, I think that the big picture—if you go up in a helicopter ten thousand feet above Nats Park—you know, this is still a you know a lot better than it was last year. And and I still feel like they're closer to being competitive again. And maybe I would have anticipated at the start of the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can see the hope, like you mentioned, you see good things out of Gore and gray. You'd like to see a little bit more out of Ruiz and Abrams, but at the same point, you're starting to see a little bit more of who those guys are. And maybe it's not as good as you'd like, but you're at least getting some development with those guys. And I think the big thing that's happened this season is Lane Thomas. Like you mentioned, it's going to be an interesting balancing act. If you're act, if you're Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez, you obviously want to capitalize on his value right now, which is, I would think, decently high. I wouldn't say that you're going to get a top prospect for it, but you're going to get, I would say, a better player than you would have expected at the beginning of the year if you were to look at trading Lane Thomas. But at the same point, if you're the Nationals, how hard is it to continue to trade these guys and then bring guys up that really aren't qualified? Because right now you're going to bring up, what, Alex Call to play in his spot and so the baseball and the product on the field is just going to get worse by moving Lane Thomas. Look, long-term, that obviously makes a lot of sense, but you also have to understand, too, and Davey talked about it at the beginning of the year. Mike Rizzo talked about it at the beginning of the year, and maybe it's just coach talk, GM talk, but they want to compete in games, and you also want these guys to still be playing in, you know, decent spots right where they're trying to win baseball games you don't want it to become where you're only scoring a run every game I mean honestly if you take out Lane Thomas in that Miami series how many runs are they scoring Lane Thomas was a big part of the offense and even maybe had a chance that was taken away by Victor Robles which I want to talk about a little bit but I, I think that Overall, though, some of the guys have shown that you you can move them. Like Jamer Candelario is another one that you mentioned. And if you're able to move him really for anything, I think that's what Rizzo's tried to do over the last couple of seasons is bring in some guys on short-term deals that can show some value and they can flip at the deadline. And that's exactly worked out with Jamer Candelario. And hopefully they can get maybe an arm that can help him in the future just out of the bullpen or something. But I I think overall – this season has been much better than what maybe we had expectations for, but unfortunately the results this month are kind of showing more of what maybe we expected at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah. And I'll say as far as Lane Thomas goes, and maybe we can jot this down for more of a detailed conversation in a few weeks closer to the deadline, but Thomas has two years of control left. So that makes it a little more interesting as to whether or not you would keep a guy. I mean, if, if he was, in a contract year, it's a no-brainer. If he had one year left, I would even say it's probably a no-brainer. And my logic is, like, does the contract of the player and how much longer they're going to be here link up with and, and mesh with your timeline to win? I mean, there is a chance right now. We're going to get into Paul Skeens in a little bit. But if you take Paul Skeens at number two overall, and you have him and Gore and Gray and Cavalli and – maybe god forbid you actually spend a little money on a starting pitcher next off season or the offseason after that in two seasons there's no reason why you can't be a handful of games over 500 in a wild card team right now when lane thomas is in a walk year at that point and maybe ideally with james wood and robert hassel or some other combination of outfielders built around wood you know possibly your third best outfielder and maybe a guy who can hit 20 homers and steal 14 bases and and hit 275 or something like that's a decent major leaguer, right? So he could help you as a competitor. So I I think the fact that there's multiple years left makes it intriguing. I am just pretty cutthroat in my rebuilds. I think you can't get attached. Uh, You know, there's a difference between stars and guys who perform on bad teams. Someone has to get like, you're not going to go 20 games without scoring. Like someone's getting the hits. Someone's getting the runs. It happens to be Lane Thomas on this bad team. Last year, he was the organizational player of the year, and he's probably going to be again. The question is, how good is he? You know, what is he on a first division team? Does his game elevate, and does he get better when you're better? I, I happen to think he's actually pretty good because of the way he, he's shown his tools and, and not just on the base paths and the power, but in the field. You know, you look at how they acquired him. We had an interview with him on, on BLB uh, several weeks back, and he was talking about how many good players there were in the Cardinal system, and, It was just kind of, it wasn't like they didn't think he was good. It was just kind of a numbers crunch with one of the better organizations at the time in the minors and all of baseball. And that's sometimes how you unearth some of these gems. So I do think it's an interesting conversation. But as a general rule, I want to go on record and say, like I am, if you're not a prospect in the system right now and or one of the young big leaguers we highlight all the time, sub, you know, 25 years old or whatever, absolutely I'm likely trading you if I can get something decent back. People will say, well, what do you get back for, you know, this guy or that guy? The, the fact is, you know, when, when you go get Riley Adams and he contributes eventually in some small capacity in the big leagues, that matters. You know, we had drew Millis on the podcast recently. He was in AAA. He was played really well and looks like he's a better prospect maybe than people thought. Like that was an afterthought in, in a deal with Josh Harrison. The, the whole goal should just be that as many minor league players who improve your system as possible. Because that creates more competition, and then that competition kind of breeds more elevation of of talent. And eventually, it it doesn't matter if you get all-stars. You're not going to, right? But eventually, like, you you have a second catcher in Adams, and you have an infielder you can call up who can play off the bench. And I think that's kind of the goal with some of these players that you can't have delusions of grandeur on. You're just not getting blue-chip prospects back for a lot of them.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing is you have to just look at what you're going to get back. If it's not worth it and you're just going to get a couple mid-level guys and maybe you want a little bit more, then hold on to them. But if you can move them for something good, you have to move them. It's, you can't get attached to them. Like you said, at some point, a, you know, a player on a bad team is going to put up numbers, and it's Lane Thomas this year. And like you said, I, I do think that he is a good player. I think that he's found something with his approach of looking fastball, reacting to the breaking ball that they talked about a lot in the month of May and he had a little bit of a down spell, but it wasn't a super long one. Now he's back to hitting the long ball again in the month of June. So I think maybe he's found a little bit of something. Maybe it's something if it continues going, and maybe Mike Rizzo looks at it and says, I think this guy could be a part of it. So maybe they would even look at holding on to him and maybe looking at him getting extended or something for cheap. But Who knows? But I think if you can move him and get something nice for him, you absolutely do it. But at the same point, if you look at it, it's tough to continue to just move guys and bring up probably less than deserving Uh, Alex calls solid, but I I wouldn't say he's anything special. He's nothing great to bring him up and just fill a spot for Lane Thomas being moved. I think it's difficult. I understand that it's a business. I understand the players understand that it's a business as well, but at some point it, it is a little bit difficult, but like you said, you can't get attached to these players and, Unfortunately, it seems like maybe that's a little bit of what I've done here with Lane Thomas because he's hitting the ball so well.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, he's, he is at least young enough, by the way. Like that's part of the conversation, too, right? It's not like he's Joey Manessis or something like that, right? Where if someone wants Joey Manessis uh, and they think as it's, it's hot and in their lineup for a little more power and he's a 300 type hitter this year, uh, yeah, you move him in a heartbeat. He's older and he's, at the end of his career in a lot of ways, even though it's just beginning uh, with the next couple of years, probably being as good as it, it's gotten uh, Lane Thomas is 27. So theoretically there's good baseball left ahead of him. So yeah, I don't think you're off base at all. I, I think there's going to be plenty of nationals fans that will likely kind of back up what you're suggesting. Um, and I, I think that actually makes a lot of sense um, specific to, you know, you mentioned call a couple times, I think Alex Cole is like a really good 4A option. You know, there are other players, though, that, that they could promote. Uh, I'm not telling you that, you know, they're as good as Lane Thomas, but former major leaguer Nomar Mazzara is in their system uh, playing at AAA in the outfield. He's played a bunch of time in the big leagues. Derek Hill has major league time and is hitting 326 at the AAA level. Uh, Jake Alou, I don't, I don't think he's an outfielder by any means, but they could put him out in left field and kind of swing some things around and, and make some things work. Uh, just looking at the triple-A level, in double-A, you obviously have James Wood. Now, whether or not they have him in the big leagues this year, I'm not sure. Uh, Same about Robert Hassel, who, who draws a lot of walks. Um, At the double-A level as well, um, there are other outfield options that are interesting to me, including Blake Rutherford, who's a former first-round pick, who's kind of killed the ball this year. We haven't talked a lot about him, but um, he's really interesting in this system. I, I don't have... Any thoughts that he's like going to be a, an all star, a superstar, or anything like that? But uh, this is a guy who is now 26 years old and has kind of bounced around uh, organizations after being an 18th overall pick. And if you look at his numbers this season in the minor leagues in uh, 34 games, I, I think he may have just gotten promoted to AAA, as a matter of fact, uh, playing the last couple of days. He's hitting uh, over 300 in multiple stops a 350 average with 8 home runs and a 1024 OPS. Uh for his minor league career he's about a 280 hitter with about a 750 OPS, but you know maybe he's figuring something out. So they would have options and and actually some interesting um kind of prospects that that might be worth it and that you would consider bringing up and and seeing what happens, but uh, I think they got a big decision to make with Lane Thomas. There's no doubt about that. My lean right now would be to trade him cuz I just think his value is going to be at at a high that you're not going to get back like the market is pretty thin this year i mean if he becomes one of the best available players in the outfield you might be able to get a team like a legitimate prospect for him which is crazy to think about a month or two ago but if that's the case that
1: like it's hard to turn that down for a team in in their build mode i don't want you to think that i'm i don't want to trade him the idea here is if you're not getting what you think he's worth, don't trade him. But if you're getting something that's really nice in return, go ahead and move him. Like I he's have no value. issue with it. Yes, exactly. You don't want to do a Bradley Beal trade is what you're saying. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying.
0: I'm so happy about that Bradley Beal trade, which <laughs> I guess is for another podcast on another. Uh, well, That's for what, what would be the equivalent of busting loose baseball? Uh... Uh, something basketball. What do they play at Wizards games? Uh, that would be like uh, "Let It Fly" basketball or something. <laughs> Who knows? Right, uh, <laughs> "Mumbo Sauce" basketball, or I'm trying to think of like what's the, the DC anthem. Uh, I haven't been musical. to enough
1: Wizards games to tell you. So there,
0: there's like a DC song. Uh, I'll think of it in a second. But uh, yeah, that's for a different pod. All right. Uh, one other thing, really quickly, before we get to Paul Skeens, just looking at the Nats so far this year. This is weird and and it's kind of apropos of nothing. But as someone who's gone to a ton of home games at Nats Park, have you noticed how much worse they are at home than on the road this year? Yeah, they're terrible at home. It's stunning. So on the road, they're basically you know, they're mediocre. They're they're fifteen and nineteen, I think, most recently. But they've actually got a plus nine run margin. Like they've outscored their opponents. They're they're a legitimate team that you they come to your place. And you better buckle up. They're going to give you a series. At home, they are 12-24, and 24, and they have been outscored by over 60 runs. They are terrible at Nationals Park. And it's just, I mean, it's discouraging. I, I You and I are both there a lot. I'm there, you know, a couple times at homestand. But it does make you feel worse in the grand scheme of things. Every time you go, it feels like they're getting their teeth kicked in. I don't get it. It's very, very odd. Maybe it's a schedule thing. Uh, who you've played where early in the season. But Very, very, very
1: annoying when you go to Nats Park. You almost never see them win. Yeah, it's odd. It, you can expect maybe one out of every three games to win at home, and then you have the Marlins come into town, and it doesn't seem like they can beat them wherever. But it is frustrating that at Nationals Park, there aren't any... This year, I can think of a couple good outings, and they're all on the road. You know, It's similar to, honestly, that World Series year. All the good memories are on the road. There weren't any that many great memories at nationals park. And obviously this isn't a world series year, but this year there's not many great memories at nationals park either.
0: No, it just, it makes you feel better and different. If you're going to games and the team is thriving, you know, when you're there or just winning and it just, it gives the vibes are better. You almost want to flip it where they're 15 and 19 at home plus nine. And then it's like when they're on the road and less people, maybe are paying attention. You're certainly not taking people to the game and spending all that money it would just feel a little bit different, but just something I wanted to bring up. Also diving into some of the splits uh, as far as the season, they played their first extra inning game of the year. The other night, Mm -hmm. they had not played one extra inning game until this past homestand. That's
1: crazy. I don't remember going that deep into a season, without an extra inning game. And they tried their hardest not to do that. They The day before, were looking like they were going to do it, and then you had the non-called interference, and then it looked like you were headed to extra innings again, and the Nationals scored a run, and then they gave up a run. And, yeah, it was all over the place. They were trying to avoid it, but they finally got their first extra innings game. But, hey, credit to the Nats putting up some runs in the top of the 10th. Maybe that's their key. Maybe they need to get into extra innings games because they put up three runs in the top of the 10th there. So maybe that's what they need. Also, twenty-two one run games at this point. You and I talked
0: on a recent pod about how many close games they were playing, and I wanted to look up some of the numbers. They're eight and fourteen in one run games. If you just flip that, so I'm not saying anything crazy, but right, but you, you just kind of flip the results in one run games and you look at their record now all of a sudden, you know, they are uh it's it's a very, very different season. Um so you know they're they're much closer to 500. Those games generally go either way. Uh, some of it is managerial decisions. Some of it is just in this case. I don't I don't know that Davy's botching things as often as uh, you have a terrible bullpen. There's no yeah. good answer. So when you're going to your bullpen and you're trying to find the uh, you said something that I've, I've said so many times since you said it on the pod, I thought it was one of the great comments of busting loose baseball of the season. Davy's basically choosing which reliever he wants to blow the game. <laughs> like it, it's just that that's what it is at times. It feels like with this bullpen and that you're going to have a bad one run uh, record when you can't protect leads or when you're tied, uh not give up runs.
1: Yeah. I mean, if the bullpen were better, you know, this team would have more of a chance, but at the same point, that's encouraging that they're playing close baseball games because they weren't all the time last year. They're playing closer baseball games. It's frustrating to see them lose, but at the same point, we understand what this season is. It wasn't about wins and losses. We said that at the beginning of the year, and then they started playing decent baseball, and it felt like you cared more about the wins and losses again, and now they're kind of back to where we expected them to be, where at least they're playing competitive baseball, but they're not finding ways to win these things. You'd love to see the bullpen be a little bit better, but this is just kind of where they're at right now. Jordan
0: Weems has pitched pretty well since coming back up from the minor leagues. I thought uh, inning and a strikeout against the Astros inning in two thirds, a perfect relief with two punches against the Marlins. And then he pitched again uh, in the second game of that series and had a perfect inning uh, three up three down on the 17th against Miami. So if, if you're just looking at his season so far now, he has an ERA of 2.16. He's got nine strikeouts and eight and a third innings and just three hits an average against of 111, a whip of 0.7. It's very, very early, but it's a lot of ground balls. I mean, he's not a kid by any means. He's 30 years old, but they do have to find an answer. Like, it's almost stunning that with all of the options they've called up and given chances to from the minor leagues, like, it shouldn't be this hard to just find a guy who can pitch in the seventh inning, you know, without having uh, walk problems or a four ERA. So maybe he'll be the answer now.
1: Well, and they found him and Mason Thompson. Looks like he's getting a little bit back to his early season form. Maybe he got overworked early in the year. They're starting to find some guys like Corey Abbott had a nice outing the other day, three innings of scoreless ball. So maybe they're finding some guys that can help them out because the problem was, and we mentioned it before, you can only turn to Edwards Finnegan and Harvey so many times every week. And those were the only guys that relied on. And at this point too, how much can you rely on those guys? Cause they're struggling as well. So They need to find someone, and it looks like Weems maybe has a little bit of a hot streak going. Maybe Thompson has found some form again. Maybe Abbott can give you some innings. They just need to find someone, and even if it's only a guy that can give you some good outings for a week or two, they just need to find something, and it seems like they're searching and searching, and they haven't necessarily found it yet, but hopefully they can find it soon.